Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Metaverticizing Podcast, your podcast about metaverse marketing and related trends in the tech industry. I'm your host, Eli Santos, marketing specialist and founder of the marketing agency called Augmentric. And this podcast is all about exploring the metaverse and the possibilities of it with people that are at the core of its development. And of course, how marketing is going to be related with everything. And today, I'm very excited to welcome Lance King. Lance, say hi to everyone. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me, Eli. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you here. Guys, Lance King is an interdisciplinary artist, recently curated for auction at Christie's New York. He has a background on marketing by working with companies from luxury and media brands, but for a few years now, he has been deeply involved in the digital space with his outstanding projects, through which he microchipped himself and registered his artist self on the blockchain. A lot of interesting stuff. So Lance, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, your background and career in general, and then we're going to move to today's topics. Right. Well, thank you again for having me. So. Um, I'm going to go uh, perhaps backwards. So in the last seven years, I've been um, completely dedicated to my work in art. I am an interdisciplinary artist, as you said. So that means that I work between media and that includes everything from, you know, classic media like painting and uh, sculpture objects um, uh, all the way now to digital. So um, going backwards from that, um, I came from the digital world, basically. I've, I've worked um, for quite a while. I worked for quite a while in the digital space, um, first with digital agencies, um, primarily in New York at first, and then London and Paris afterwards. Um, digital agencies really at the beginning of the sort of explosion of the web in the late um, 90s. And also I worked in a startup at one point, as well, um, which we launched with some, uh, some, some investors in China. Um, going back from that, uh, I actually have a really interest, uh, strange and interesting background, which is fairly scientific. Um, my background is I studied cognitive science, specializing in artificial intelligence and um, human machine interaction. AI at the time was not very, very big uh, as it is now, certainly. And then essentially when I came out from that, from those studies, I, I got involved in, you know, the burgeoning internet uh, space as an information architect. So um, so I have this background in, in information architecture and in human machine interaction, user experience. Ultimately, uh, those agencies that I worked with got fused or gobbled up, um, uh, acquired by some of the larger advertising agencies. So I was able to learn a lot about advertising and marketing and communications in general. Um, and then by the end of that sort of career, um, I was uh, basically a strategist working with finance, media, and luxury brands, particularly luxury brands. Um, and in parallel, you know, in the last, let's say, almost 20 years, in parallel to that work, I was beginning to develop my artwork. I, I, I was not trained as an artist. It was not something that was encouraged when I was young, in fact. Um, so it's something that I really had a passion for. Um, and then, you know, being in New York uh, at a certain time, basically, I had a lot of interactions with artists and they encouraged me to start doing my work. And it was not until really my move to France when I moved to Paris, uh, you know, in 2001, that I really started working on my art. And in parallel, I, I was still doing my previous career. 
And after a while, you know, about, like I said, six or seven years ago, I was able to leave that behind and um, focus on my artwork. My artwork has always been um, partly digital, partly analog. And uh, that's, that's really the whole basis of my work is the interaction between those two. And I'm sure we'll get, get into that as we talk more. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's extremely interesting how you're, like, as you said, before you were, you even got into marketing, you were already working in, uh, you know, seeing the things that we're doing nowadays from more of a scientific perspective and uh, how you were learning things that, like, nowadays are pretty much uh, most of the projects, like the the, the, the coolest projects, let's say, or the most hyped projects that we see nowadays are basically like all of them are using either AI or uh, either, you know, one of the technologies that you mentioned. So it's really, really cool to see that uh, yeah. even before you even got into marketing, you already had all of this knowledge plus the artistic part, right? Yes, exactly. Well, yeah, that's exactly it. I mean... You know, as I said, I, I, you know, I had a very scientific background. I, 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 you know, even as a teenager, I was already doing research in physics um, and I, I was quite good at math. So, you know, uh, I was raised by sort of numbers people uh, and, um, and, and sort of uh, people who come from a kind of entrepreneurial family. So business was the thing. And um, so I was really pushed towards, you know, that kind of very serious field, you know, art was not an option, as I said. So, so, but yes, uh, in, in, in university, basically we were, we were beginning to, you know, develop some of the early ideas of AI. Um, and we were, we were doing a lot of work on, uh, human machine interaction, which became sort of user interface design and, and now, you know, user experience design. Um, so, and all, now all of those things have become part of digital marketing, marketing in general. You know, user experience, customer experience, service design, all of those things now uh, have grown into, you know, I guess eventually marketing takes takes over every every tool that can be developed. But, um, you know, I remember even, for example, because when I started out, you know, my specialization was lasers and in, in, when I started out in, in physics, and I remember a friend working on um, an eye tracking device to allow you to, to allow us to track where the eye actually look on a screen or on a page or whatever. And now we use eye tracking all the time when we are developing websites to see where people look or even, even in advertising to see how we look at an ad. So yeah, a lot of those technologies that, that I saw early on are now very commonplace in, in, in marketing and in, in communication in general and in uh, interaction design. That's awesome. And it's a pleasure to have someone uh, here in the podcast that has such a wide range of knowledge about uh, different topics, you know, especially the connection between uh, technology in general and marketing. It's going to be a very, very exciting conversation mm -hmm. today. And that brings us to uh, our, our topic today, right? We're going to be talking a lot about personal identity, privacy, art, and NFTs. And to do so, we're going to go through some of Lance's projects, right? And um, and then we're going to connect the whole thing with marketing, right? So Lance, I would love for us to start by talking about your project, the Hyper Reality Show. Tell us more about that. Mm -hmm. uh, the, okay. the, blend, the, the, the blend between real and virtual, the blurred line between those two things. Tell, tell me more about that. Yeah, and you'll see hyper reality is really a great topic when we're talking about marketing, right? So, okay. 
So um, essentially, there's, there's, a, there's a French uh, philosopher uh, named Jean Baudrillard, and um, he wrote a book called uh, Simulacra and Simulation. And basically, it's all about how today um, we're living in a, in a state of hyperreality where there's almost no more real, because essentially we've blurred the lines between sort of the real and the virtual, between truth and fiction. You know, now, it's, as you can see, with everything going on in the world with uh, conspiracy theories and all that, it's almost hard to tell where the truth is um, between, you know, uh, also between what we see in the media and what we'd say is real life. So sometimes a lot of things that we, uh, the way we perceive certain things is really um, determined or mediated by what we see in a film or what we see on TV or even, and especially what we see in advertising and marketing. So, you know, we've created a kind of world that is so image dominated that um, we base our lives on those images. And of course that's been accelerated now with social media, certainly with, um, with Instagram and all of that. Instagram is a perfect example of hyper-reality. So um, my work basically takes on where, where Baudrillard left off and he said basically, we are living in this world now where we can no longer distinguish between the real and the virtual or between truth and fiction. Um, so um, my work is all dealing with those blurred lines. Um, and so the hyper-reality show is, um, one, it's an actual show, meaning that it's it's, well, it's something that actually will uh, exist as a show where uh, it's kind of a reality show that deals with hyper-reality because reality shows are hyper-reality already, meaning that they're always a blend of fact and fiction. So, um, and then uh, as, I, as I sort of record, uh, you know, the life of an artist in the 21st century as part of this hyper-reality show that will, you know, at some point exist as an actual show. I am then using the content of that. So, you know, the, the images, the video, the uh, to actually produce my artwork, right? So it's kind of a circular thing, almost like the snake eating its tail. So there's the show and then all of the works that I produce are coming from the show, but it's also part of the show. So I, I always say that the snake eating its own tail is the best way of visualizing it. So it's the thing and then the thing within the thing. So um, so my work basically is, 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 you know, sort of this ecosystem of, you know, whether it's um, paintings, whether it's paintings that are hybrid, often if you look at some of my work, they're hybrid, literally a canvas and a screen that's stuck together. Um, and you're trying to figure out uh, where to focus the eye, if you focus the eye on the, on the video or the animation, which is actually an NFT, or on the painting. You know, it's also saying a lot uh, between the analog and the digital by sticking them together all at once. Um, and then my work is, so I said, I was saying my work is this ecosystem between all of these different types of works, whether it's sculpture, whether it's a, an experience, whether it's an installation, um, whether it's a painting, they're all part of this one work called the Hyper-Reality Show, but each one is an individual work, but also part of the entire um, project that's called the Hyper-Reality Show. So um, I think that's the best way I can explain it. It's this, it's this interconnected ecosystem of works um, that nice. ultimately will, is, is itself a show that's really based on what we're living today, which is that blurred line between you know, analog and digital, between real and virtual, between truth and fiction. 
Um, so that that's that's where my work exists is right between right on that line. That's awesome. And uh, when when you talk about, I love that I haven't heard about that uh, term hyper reality before uh, before mm -hmm. I met you. And uh, I, this this reminds me of uh, some content that I've been reading uh, across the internet lately, where like uh, we're we're about to reach a point where um, first of all, like just like for example, I was born in 1991. And in 1991, right. the internet didn't really, like, it already existed, but it wasn't, like, it wasn't very used as it is today. Like, not many people no, not used it. But I, I you know, I kind of consider myself uh, kind of born kind of a natural on the internet, right? Because I, yes, you yes. know, I pretty much I grew up with the internet. And I remember, like, yeah. my first access to the internet was when I was, like, nine years old, I think. So pretty much right. I grew up in the internet. And um, and we're, we're we're about to reach a point where um, the new generations that are about to come are going to be born in this metaverse space, which is something that, uh, if you think about it, is um, it is remarkable. Of course, like it's an amazing uh, feat of the of mankind, I guess I can say. But at the same time, I consider it a little bit scary because. We're going to reach a point where, as you said, like we're going to be living in a hyper reality, right? Because we're going to have so many yes. augmented reality elements and also um, virtual reality elements that are going to be pretty much embedded in reality, you know, embedded in um, in the physical, let's say, in the physical realm of things. Yes. And um, it's going to, especially for children that are born in this, this, this day and age, like it's going to be sometimes hard to conceive the idea that one thing is one thing and the other thing is, is the other thing right instead of like right. just everything being a hyper reality so uh i love this concept this is this is really really interesting well yeah this is great i mean i i, I don't remember who it was but i heard just last night an actor was talking about um having shown something to his daughter that was just completely virtual and 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 um, and for her it was as real as anything and he was kind of shocked by it oh actually it was um might have, no it might have been keanu reeves talking about it actually doing an interview about about the matrix and i think he might have been talking about someone else's someone else's child because i don't think he has children but basically um the, the you know i i had i spoke to someone uh, a few years ago and she and we were talking about real and virtual and she you know she was much younger than than me and and and, I, and she said to me well the virtual is also real so to a generation that grows up with uh virtual you know virtual virtuality that grows up with digital assets nfts and things like that um those things are as real to them you know if they've grown up playing fortnite or whatever those things are as real to them as you know as, as i don't know the table that my computer is currently posed on so for them those you know when they buy an object in in virtual space um it's real for them and in fact i've heard of some cases where they prefer to spend their money on digital assets than than physical assets you know so it's, it's almost like for them more portable more you know shareable you can kind of show it off around the world kind of thing like that right to your friends that are on the other side of the planet so for them they're going to grow up in a world where um that, that does it's not going to make a difference for them if they own the real uh you know nike nike basketball shoes or if they own the virtual ones or if they own you know the real gucci bag you know 
I give that as an example because I think a digital Gucci bag recently sold more for, than its physical counterpart. So, and the same thing for art. They're going to see experience art in a very different way. They're not going to need it to be on a wall of a museum. For them, being on a wall in a gallery in Decentraland is going to be the same thing. And that's going to have a massive effect on how we market, how we experience art, how we you know, experience products, how we, how we purchase, how we shop, everything. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the real and the virtual is, is the, the, the barriers collapsing between them. And, and, and you know, you're, you're also much younger than I am, but, and you grew up with the internet. So for you, you're almost a digital native, really, you know, because by the time you were old enough, the internet was, you know, developed enough for you to, you know, to really live within it. Uh, or to live with it on a daily basis, whereas you know for me it was quite different. You know, not to mention I was born on a on a Caribbean island that had no technology and lived there until I was about eight years old. So I, I grew up with you know with with none of that at first, and then it's so it's strange for me to be really on the edge of it now. <laughs> you know, it's almost like I've seen the entire transition of humanity go from just the simplicity of living you know on this beautiful island in the Caribbean and growing up for a while on the beach. And then now, you know, living between three major cities, I don't really have a specific home. I'm a bit of a nomad. And I guess my life is quite virtual <laughs> in a way. Yeah, and that, that is actually really interesting because it gives you a perspective that uh, not many people have nowadays. So if you, if you take, for example, as you said, like a, a kid, that was born recently in a world where the internet is pretty much part of our lives. You cannot live without it. And um, and just the other day, I heard an interview of, uh, I, I don't remember who he was, but uh, I remember that the guy was saying that he buys more skins for his, his kid on, on Fortnite than he buys uh, actual physical clothes for his kid. That's right. And his, his kid yes. actually loves it more to have uh, yes. skins on Fortnite than having actual, you know, uh, uh, branded clothing uh, to use on, on, on his physical life. So that's crazy. And I think that, you know, as you said that you were born in an island and, and, and everything and, and the fact that you saw that transition happening, I think it gives you a completely different perspective than uh, a person that is pretty much born on the metaverse is going to have. So I think, uh, yeah. and I think this is extremely valuable, you know? Yes. I, you know, I remember, you know, um, buying my first computer because I won a science fair, I won a science competition. I was able to buy my first computer, which was back then like a Commodore 64. <laughs> um, and, and that opened the world to me, you know? And uh, I was also lucky to go to a university that was quite connected to the internet before there was really a web. There was no web, it was all, you know, um, we had high-speed connections because the, the whole campus is wired, you know, for with, uh, with fiber optic back then, but there wasn't a lot to transmit. <laughs> Everything was still very text-based and, you know, uh, at, at the time there was no, there was no visual web really to speak yeah. of. Um, so, I, so I've seen really the whole thing. I've seen going from that, you know, uh, to, 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 to witnessing the, 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 the mobile internet and, you know, all, all of it really from, from almost no, from, like I said, from no tech to now having, you know, technology inside me, <laughs> um, is kind of an interesting, uh, I, I think, I think, I feel like it makes me 
kind of the right person or one of the right people to, to have this conversation about this transition that humanity is, is having right now. Right. Because I've really gone through that transition. Right. I see myself as a sort of bridge person between two worlds. Yeah, and I, and I think, um, you know, putting all of those things together, it makes total sense that you're actually doing the Harpy Reality Show and, and uh, the Network mm -hmm. of Self, which is the next project that we're going to be talking about. And uh, I wanted to understand, like, what is your, both from, a, let's say, a philosophical or maybe subjective uh, perspective, uh, what is the purpose mm -hmm. of the Harpy Reality Show? And at the same time, from a technical perspective, what does it mean for uh for the metaverse for okay. the blockchain what does it mean the hyper reality show from these two perspectives okay the the literal show or the or the the, the construct that is that i use for my work okay well let's talk about both right so yeah yeah, yeah. Um, That's, every, exactly. every, i think I, I think i think so my 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 main goal as an artist is to kind of um reflect um what's happening in our time in my time and also give that some context uh, in what's happened in the history of art and then also project forward because I consider myself, I've always, I think since age of 10, I've been a futurist. I've always been thinking about the future. Basically, ever since I, I you know, I, I got, I moved from the Caribbean to the United States, to New York, where I grew up. Um, I, I've always been fascinated by the future, science fiction and all of that, right? So. The show is meant to be a kind of mirror. It's meant to be a reflection of everything that's happening right now um, in terms of media and technology. And for me, the two are absolutely connected. Um, and um, so if you take, so the hyper-reality show is meant to be a reflection of everything we're experiencing from, from reality shows to, to, to social media, um, and all the way to uh, now the metaverse, right? They're, and they're all connected because we're, we live in these constructs. Now, if, it's really funny because if you see, if you watch The Matrix, there's a, there's a scene in which um, uh, The Matrix is one of, one of those movies that's kind of based on some of the ideas of hyper-reality. Also, The Truman Show, that's all coming from um, Bozyar's uh, philosophy. And if you actually, there's a scene in The Matrix where he goes to uh, take some money out of uh, you know, one of these fake books and the book is literally the book I'm talking about. The, the, book, the book is literally uh, the book Similar, Similar Current Simulation by Jean Baudrillard. So even the book itself is a fake. <laughs> even the book is not a real book. It's just a hollowed out book where he keeps his money. Um, so <laughs> um, I'm talking about this to kind of like show the world that we're living in and to sort of like raise awareness that we're living in that world so that we can uh, if we want to, um, dis, you know, try to make a distinction or try to um, maintain some aspect of the real or um, if we don't want to, I just want us to be conscious of what we're doing in terms of, uh, you know, blending these two spaces, blending these two worlds. I just want us to be aware, really. Right. And I think that's what artists are trying to do is just, just, just like say, hey, <laughs> um, this is what's happening. Are you okay with that? You know, so, um, and, and are we okay with this? Is this what we want? Is this how we want to go forward? And, you know, um, and, and, and that's basically it. So I'm not like saying I'm for or against or any of that. I'm just saying, I'm just trying to make us aware so that we just don't do things just because it's the thing to do. We should do things because we choose to do those things, right? So if we, if we choose to live 
in, 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 a, in more, spend more time in a virtual space, then we choose that. Um, if we choose to bring the virtual space into the real space, as in the case with the metaverse, you know, the going between back and forth, then we choose to. I just want us to make choices in how we deal with technology and media, right? And so I'm sometimes making it almost absurd and making a show about, about you know, how, you know, no one's really ever seen how, what an artist's life is and how they, how, they, how they live every day, how they make work and all that. It's almost like a bit of a mystery for a lot of people, what artists do. So I thought, well, why not do a real sort of show about what artists do um, and how they live and all that, at least in my case, but also play with it and fictionalize it to some extent. So you don't know which part is fiction and which it, fiction in the sense that the way we imagine things, because maybe we've seen some ideas of what we think an artist is, uh, but also some real, you know, some real and then some fictionalized parts, which is what we, we get when we watch a reality show, when we watch, I don't know, the Kardashians. It's not fully their real lives. A lot of it is some scripted. Um, and a lot of it is sort of heightens and but then what you what they experience in that scripted reality also affects their real reality so there's this real weird back and forth push and pull between you know this real and this sort of made up construct that we live in every day you know and uh as uh, and, and you know because we're we we've i've been in marketing you're in marketing and you know that very much in marketing or communications and advertising we are creating constructs we are creating uh some of these idealized ideas sometimes these idealized versions of life that we want people to aspire to and that's how we often sell them things right so yeah no, um, and the media, right so the media is all part of that because you know uh, at least in, in if, if you start with your, even the early days of television it was all about selling products right so we would create these shows around almost the product <laughs> um so um yeah i just i just want i just want us to be fully aware of 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 all of this of, yeah. of um, the effects of the media and technology on our everyday lives and that a lot of our choices that we make are choices that are sort of um uh not forced on us but yeah uh, conscious heavily, right yeah yeah exactly i just want us to be conscious yeah <laughs> definitely and i i think that's a very good uh like intention that very good purpose because as i said uh just now and i think a lot of people are going to relate with it a lot of people are scared with like the the the, the fast pace that we're mm -hmm. you know that we're living in right now of like uh of, of like in technology improving and and like new technology coming up and and uh with also some other things that can be also let's say qualified as hyper reality but are actually like more of fake news and and and, and all of these this type of stuff and that's totally and, and, part of that's totally part of hyper reality that's exactly and of all of these things are just growing and becoming and and, and and growing faster and and people want more of it and people are consuming more and people are creating more and so i think a lot of people are scared so i think it's really really uh necessary to have you know yeah. uh such a purpose and 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 being conscious about a lot of those things right one thing that i often say to friends and and, and work colleagues and, and and pretty much everyone that i i talk about this topic is like i think the internet should should have had 
or maybe should have in the future, like, um, let's say not a manual, but like, let's say um, a, a rule book, like basically a book that, you know, uh, certain rules in that book cannot be broken, you know, just like mm -hmm. AI technology has its own rules, you know, that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a robot cannot harm their creator. They, not, right. they cannot harm right. themselves. Like, I think the, the same Asimov thing. Three rules of robotics. Yeah, exactly. And and I think the same thing should exist for the internet of like uh, some rules that you cannot, mm -hmm. you, you just can't break. You know, because it's going to yeah. potentially be harmful to someone else, or maybe to someone someone else's mental health, or or or, or whatever that is. So so yeah. I think uh, I think this is a necessary project. So I really like what you're talking about, and I really would relay with it. And I think a lot of people are going to relay with it as well. And so my next question would be, from a technical perspective, as I said, what is the hyper reality show like? What are the technologies that you're using? And uh, you know, as you said, as an artist that is actually creating that stuff. And people often perceive artists as, as art, the artist's work as something mysterious, right? So what exactly, from a technical perspective, what is the hyper-reality show? Are those NFTs? Are, like, can I find uh, some of the elements of the hyper-reality show in the blockchain? So how does that look like? Okay, so, okay, so the hyper-reality show will become a literal show. Uh, it could be something that shows up on Netflix in the coming year um, uh, as an actual literal show that's part one that's on the very literal layer and that's sort of a that's sort of a documentation of my my work my studio my life right and like I said some of its facts and its fiction then some of the content from that becomes paintings become nfts meaning like they they're gonna be manipulated, changed, uh, uh, visually represented. Um, it could be on a canvas as a painting, some of the content, or some of it might be manipulated and used for animation that ends up in one of my NFTs. Um, so think of it like all I'm taking all this content and then I'm distributing it through all of my artwork, right? So it could end up being, so first of all, it could end up being just pure video streamed like a show. And then it could end up on a canvas. It could end up as a sculpture, as an experience, as a as an NFT. So, if you look, you know, if you if, if anyone Google's me, you'll find references to the hyper reality show and all kinds of things that you'll find. You'll see that um, my work is often named as episodes. Um, so, because it's related to a specific episode of something that happened in my life. Um, um, and my um, NFTs are also named often uh, have carried the title of the hyper-reality show. So it's really like one, it's almost like if it's one work that's fragmented into lots of different works. And then the sort of game is to figure out how they fit together. Almost like in the Da Vinci Code, right? There are all these different artworks and they all sort of point to one sort of final truth. Um, all of my work, artworks are connected and they're connected in the conceptual sense because they all connect back to this one basic idea of the hyper reality show and then they're connected in a real sense in that each of them carry a specific code in them that is linked to me personally and then we'll get in we'll get into that when we talk about network of self but there's a code that each work has embedded into it 
whether physical work or uh, or or um, an NFT work, there's a code that it carries that's that's linked to the code that's implanted in me on my microchip. So so uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> it, it's kind of it's kind of a it's a weird thing to explain because it's all these interconnections. But like I said, it's like the snake eating its tail because you don't know where it starts. Like, is it the show, the starting point, the literal video show, the starting point, or is the show really a compilation of everything that you know that 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 I'm that I'm making? Um, right, right. Or is everything that I'm making a sort of like a way of diffusing the idea of the show into you know? And that's sometimes I'm not sure myself, and that's that's part of the art is. You, you know, you, you, you're not really sure where it starts. And it, I'm not, you know, here to try to make my work easily understood or clear. Um, uh, because I think that's part of the fun is decoding it and figuring out like, what is the hyper reality show? Is it, is it a real show? Is it a, is it a, is it a fake show? Because that, that would be hyper reality as well. You just mentioned fake news. Uh, we can also add deep fakes. We, can, we don't know what's real anymore. So, um, and we don't even know if we're real in the sense that we never really know if the if the personality that we have is based on something that's in, in, internal or if it's just really driven by who we think we should be because we're living you know a, a sort of character that we've seen maybe somewhere or a compilation of ideas right so a lot of artists think there's a way to be an artist, right? There's a way to be an artist. Oh, if you're an artist, you don't do this or you do this, or whatever. All of that is, these are some ideas that come out of hyperality because these roles have been defined for us, you know? Um, I think uh, Baudrillard gives the idea of how we plan our wedding yeah. could be very much decided by what we've seen in the sitcom. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, it's very much influenced by something that we've seen in sort of some sort of romantic comedy you know, with Jennifer Aniston or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, of what of, of what what a romantic life should be like or a romantic wedding should be like, right? Yeah. So so I'm playing with those codes, you know, I'm playing with the codes of uh, reality TV or I'm playing with the codes of, you know, just 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 uh, how we define our reality uh, in general. I'm playing with those codes all the time and I'm playing yeah. with it, whether it's in the show or in my work or, or uh, you know, uh, you know, even the way I talk about it, the way I write about it, I'm, I'm just always playing with that, with the, with that, like keep leaving everyone on shaky ground as to what part of this is real. Like, if you look at my paintings, for example, um, you have to figure. You, well, you might want to try to figure out which part is painted and which part is printed, right? So, my paintings, I'm I'm starting with a real image that I'm then transforming into code, and then I'm painting part of it. Part of its code, part of it is printed with, you know, uh, these very high-end inkjet printers. And so people are standing in front of them trying to figure out, well, which part is analog, which part is digital? Do we care? You know, there's some artists now who only print their their, their paintings and then they're sold as paintings. They're, 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 they're presented as paintings, but they're printed. My work is playing with you because there's code on it. There's... Um, painting on it, hand painting, there's printing, 
and you almost don't know where where you stand. Like, where, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. that is really the example of all of my work. Is like you don't know yeah. where you stand. You don't know. You don't know Hyper, what part of it is. is, is Hyper reality yeah. at its best. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. And uh, <laughs> since you like, because you already mentioned like ever since the beginning of the podcast, we talked about the fact that you microchipped yourself, right? And uh, right. you mentioned that just now. And so I want to take this opportunity to jump into your uh, the other project that we're going to be discussing today, which is the network of self, right? right. And uh, and I would love for you to to talk about that as well, uh, like the the NFT microchips, the brain waves, mm -hmm. and ultimately the download of consciousness. I would love for you to talk more about that. Right. So so network of self. Um, Again, the, the, the title is actually based on a book called The Network Self, uh, which is written by a philosopher. Uh, and, and, and she proposes that basically we are not just, you know, one self, that we're basically a group of selves. So there's like our civic self, which is like our identity, you know, our birth paper, you know, passport, all that kind of identity. That's a sort of civic identity. Uh, and then there's, um, there's the body. Um, which is, you know, part of the self or another part of the self. There's, uh, you know, the physical, the mental, maybe even the spiritual, um, the financial, all of that, right? Um, and these are all part of the part of the self. So, um, you know, years ago, I was looking at uh, just to give a little bit of history. I was looking at the artist as. Um, I was considering the artist as a kind of almost like a corporation and I was thinking well would it be possible to to actually sell well I was thinking also about the relationship between art and, and, and money and what when you collect an artwork it's almost you're buying a part of the artist you know I was thinking about the relationship of you you're buying a sort of share in the artist if you will so I was going to do it literally where I was going to create these these shares uh, like stocks you know, like uh, stock market shares um, to, to represent myself as an artist, um, as an actual artwork. Ended up not doing that um, because I learned that another artist had done it, something similar about 100 years ago, which is Duchamp, who changed art in general and, and actually invented conceptual art. Um, so I didn't do that. Then when I started learning about cryptocurrency, um, I, I, I learned that companies are actually, some of the new startups were actually using these things called initial coin offerings as a way of funding themselves. So they're literally creating these, these tokens to represent the total value of the company. So I thought, oh, that same project, I could do that as a sort of cryptocurrency. I could actually create a cryptocurrency, let's say called Lance, that would represent me. And then that could be a way for people to fund my work. Because I was looking for a way to, to fund my work, to have patrons, to have people sort of kind of invest in me uh, as an artist because I, you know, because I didn't come through the standard art world, I was always looking for new ways of, uh, you know, sort of selling my work, but not necessarily selling the work, just to have people support my work. Um, so uh, I ended up not doing that because I, I saw that other artists had sort of started doing some things that were similar, um, like an artist named Kevin A. Bosch. And so I wanted to push it as far as I could. I, wanted, I was like, how far can I push this blockchain stuff, uh, this block technology uh, to make art? And so I discovered, you know, that there were these microchip capsules that you could actually embed into your hand um, and that it could keep data on it, keep information on it. So um, I found a, a guy in Sweden who, whose name is John 
Osterland, who's actually uh, implanted about 5,000 of these. Not, not, he, this, I was the first person who actually asked him to do it for the purpose of art, and he thought it was so cool that he didn't even make me pay for it. <laughs> um, oh, so I went that's, to, so he, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, so he's, so he's based in Sweden, and, um, and he uh, he basically, so I went to Sweden and I had this microchip implanted in my hand. And my goal was to take this microchip um, uh, and to use it as a way of connecting myself by putting the code and the tag in this microchip. I would connect it to a, a, a hash code, you know, in the block, on the blockchain that would represent what I call my artist self. So basically, instead of just making one artwork, that would be registered on the blockchain like it's sort of an NFT. I, I would register my entire artist self on the blockchain and that every work I would do from that point on would be connected to that registry, right? It would be a way to identify that work as my work and that work would be connected to me. And then the work grew um, to become, uh, I thought, well, as, as I saw the way NFTs were developing and that they were becoming quite sophisticated, I had this idea that I could actually create an NFT based on my personal data, my data self, if you will, my digital self. So I've been developing this project where I would wear wearables, um, like essentially modified Fitbit, um, that would collect my data, my location, my heart rate, um, how much I'd walked, slept, all of that blood oxygen level. And that it would take all this data and put it into a single NFT um, and so, uh, and then I started coming up with other ideas for NFTs that would sort of create this whole network of different NFTs. One to represent my body, one to represent my mind, eventually one to represent my spirit, which I hope at the end of my life, I'll be able to download my consciousness and that'll be the final NFT within this network of self. And then all of these different selves as represented by all of these different uh, NFTs form, again, an ecosystem that forms one work. And this one work will then go into a collection. And then this collection will become a, a sort of DAO, Decentralized Autonomous Organization. So it'll be owned by a group of collectors. So it'll probably be tokenized and then owned by a group of collectors as a single work. And then the group will decide what happens to this collection over time, because this is a, a work that I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I'm going to have the chip for the rest of my life. And I thought, well, I thought this was an interesting project because it's dealing with our personal data. It's dealing with the sovereignty over, over our data. Because for example, if a collector bought this, that means that they would know where I am at all times. They would know uh, my, my physical situation, if I'm alive, dead. Uh, you know, <laughs> um, you know, uh, having some health problems or whatever, they would, um, you know, right. they would have access to alt eventually my brainwaves. So, and this again is an awareness raising project. It's to is to raise awareness about self sovereign identity, the importance of our our data privacy. Because I'm an extremely private person, so to do something like this is uh, for me uh, really taking me out of my comfort zone um, to do something where I'm putting my data into sort of like a public sphere or to or to share it with a, a collector or a group of collectors um, is, is, is quite a radical thing for me. Even implanting a microchip in my body, you know, uh, is, a, is a radical thing for me. And it kind of freaks me out every day because I'm not necessarily a transhumanist. I'm not you know, condoning augmentation. I think we're going to need to augment at some point because we have so much to process now. I don't think we'll be able to do it without some sort of uh, augmentation. I think at some point we will 
we will probably need to uh, add something to help us deal with all this information uh, that we're dealing with. And particularly as we go towards a metaverse existence, there's no way we can handle this kind of acceleration and, and processing of information on a daily basis. So I think ultimately Definitely. something like Elon Musk's Neuralink, which will connect us essentially to maybe an AI and connect us to, let's say, to Google, to the entire internet, to everything. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll need that kind of augmentation. The, the, I think the human mind as it is right now is incapable of processing all of that. You know, just like, I mean, I, I feel like everyone's exhausted right now because there's such an acceleration, we almost can't keep up. So, yeah. so this work is talking about a lot of things. It's talking about our relationship to technology, our relationship to our information, to our data, to our digital twin, and how we... Um, how that gets used, whether it's by the companies that we allow to use that data in, in exchange for services like social media, um, or like uh, our, our mobile phones, mobile phone technology, uh, which is constantly tracking us and tracking our, what, what we access, what we buy, what we, you know, uh, how, how much we sleep and all that. This data we're already giving away. So uh, as we go into the metaverse and we'll be um, exchanging this data even more, we need to be a bit more aware of what we're doing, um, how, how this data is being used, how it's being monetized also, um, which is why there's a financial aspect to the project where at some point I will monetize the work, meaning literally I will sell it as a kind of um, as a kind of tokenized work uh, to, to whomever wishes to, you know, buy into the, to the collective of owners, um, because that's an important aspect to, to, to decide who gets access to that, who gets access to that information, who gets access to this project, who owns the microchip over time, what happens to it when I'm gone, um, all of these things. It's all part of uh, the terms of use of this project, which is another aspect of the project. Um, and um, uh, yeah, it's again, it's a, it's a consciousness yeah. raising exercise, you know. Yeah, definitely. So, and and one thing that because since I'm a I'm a I'm a former DJ and uh, I love art, oh, you cool. know, I like, know yeah, I, 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 I you know I still do I still DJ every once in a while, <laughs> but I used to I used to do it a lot and uh, and I just have That's a very cool. very uh deep connection with art as well and i think that mm -hmm. usually the artists are the ones that disrupt um the way things are being done or disrupt some of the concepts and i think that with this new uh wave of you know the metaverse and and, and nfts and blockchain i think the artists are disrupting a lot of those things so i guess um and i i would like you to correct me if i'm wrong but i'm i'm guessing it appears that you're disrupting um, reality and also, you know, the digital through the usage of NFTs, right? Yeah. I mean, someone told me you, you're forking art. <laughs> so you know how you can fork a blockchain, right? Um, and then it becomes like the whole other blockchain. Yeah. Right? So you can yeah, take yeah. an Ethereum blockchain, you can fork it. And then you have a new version of Ethereum. So someone said to me, "Well, yeah, you're forking art. It's like you're 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 creating a whole new direction. Um, you're innovating." And and so for me, that's like that's the key. Whether when I was you know working in digital, um, uh, what, whatever I'm doing, I want to be the most innovative possible, and I wanted to shake things up. I wanted to 
generate um, not necessarily controversy, but I wanted to generate uh, discussion and exchange, right? I, and, and sometimes we, to do that, we do have to shock ourselves a little bit. We do have to disrupt ourselves a little bit. We do have to take ourselves out of com comfortable position. You know, like having a microchip inside me is very weird to me. Every day when I wake up and I touch it, I can touch it on the surface of my skin. It, 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 it's, it's, it's shaking me up. It's disrupting my own mind. And I think it's very important for artists to do that all the time, to, to disrupt themselves, as companies should as well. Um, because if you don't disrupt yourself, someone else will do it for you. So it's yeah. all part of being innovative. And I think, you know, for me, the artist has always had to be a leader in this and should be a leader in opening up the human mind, um, bringing us to new uh, ways of thinking, uh, you know, just opening up our spirit and how we see things, change our perspectives, challenge our perspectives, um, question our way of living all the time so that we don't, you know, just get comfortable with, with uh, something that might not be great. Um, and Definitely. so at the same time, it's reminding us, reminding us what's good sometimes that we might want to maintain, but also like maybe we want to maintain the real, maybe we don't want to maintain the real, maybe we'll transcend the real and actually become these amazing spiritual beings. And so, you know, the, the real, as we think it's so important, might not be that important. And actually, maybe this is the way we're supposed to go. Maybe we're supposed to be these metaversal beings that transcend space, time, and, and reality, in fact, you know? Um, and maybe that's how humanity actually evolves. But, you know, we just need to consider it at all points, at all times, right? We just need to be yeah. conscious of of these choices. So, yeah, um, yeah so, so I, the disruption is almost to, to make you uh, conscious, make us more conscious, make uh, expand our consciousness and uh, make us really consider what we want, you know? I, you know, when we go and, you know, even if it's a banana that's taped to a wall, wow, that interrupts your day, right? <laughs> that makes you uh, really think about something. It interrupts just your normal routine of going about the world, going to your job, doing your work, whatever it is that you do. You know, the artist is here for that, to interrupt uh, and to disrupt whatever it is that you think you're doing that's so important. Exactly. And, 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 and just make you reconsider. <laughs> exactly. So, so exactly. I, lo I love that role. I love that role. I love having that role of uh, sort of instigator and provocateur. You know, exactly. Um, and and I think thought. Yeah, and I think because one of the things that I heard like when, when this whole NFT movement started, because NFTs have existed for like I think eight years now or maybe even a little bit more. So so like it's not it's not actually new, but like it has become popular over the past few years, right? And so um when this whole yeah, thing exactly. kinda, you know, when the whole NFT things started becoming popular, a lot of people that uh are involved in, in, in crypto and are involved in the, the blockchain in, in, in some way, a lot of people told me that it didn't make any sense to have like um art linked to nft you know and having it like a digital piece of art and like the fluctuation of prices that go around these things like if you take a look at i don't know like uh the 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 board board ATH club or if you take a look at crypto banks and and, and and all these other right. hyped projects and as we speak like just the other day i think it was yesterday 
uh, that project that I don't know the name of, but it's pronounced, it spells R-T-F-K-T. Like they were so to oh, yeah, 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 yeah. so so like we're we're, we're living in that in that uh, in that reality, right? And a lot of people don't understand yeah. why would you own a digital piece of art, right? And I think that's really funny yeah. because this goes way beyond art. And I think just yeah. like uh, you are disrupting uh reality as we know and some of the concepts that we know nowadays and you're introducing the the hyper reality to the society and and the network of self and all of those things like these guys like the crypto punks and the the board ape yash club and these other hyped projects they're also disrupting the 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 concept of not only art but also like uh nfts and technology and you know they're they're, yeah. they're disrupting and i think that's important as i said uh just now like i think artists are usually the ones that lead the way in terms of disruption of concepts and i think this is extremely mm -hmm. important as you just said right and yes, uh, and this this is a, this is amazing like and I, i i i hope that the people that are listening to this episode are uh at the same time that they are understanding these concepts right and they, they are conceiving these things in their minds they're also realizing the utility for such things in in the modern day age or, or perhaps in the future right and so for us to finish this discussion i would like to tie everything that you just set up and let's link all of those things mm -hmm. with marketing Because I think that's something that's yes. that's going to be a very very interesting discussion. Yes, um, yes. So, so NFTs, right? They've been around for a while in one form or another, a few years. But obviously, the last couple of years, they've become really sort of solidified into the, the right protocols and things like that as to how it's done. Okay, so. Well, NFT can be a number of things, right? Basically, it's a certificate for work of art. That can be a work of art that's uh, real or virtual, right? But what it did really is it made it possible to own something that is digital and easily reproducible. But then the reproduction is not the original. And so this allows us to say, this is the original. This is where the rights belong. This is who owns it, who made it. Here's the provenance, here's how it was went from one hand to the next. And also it allows us to monetize it so that the artist can you know, continue to have royalties every time it's sold, which was never the case. And that's a big deal, right? So, um, but more than that, what it, what it sort of confirmed is that we can have um, non-physical things and assign them real value. And it started, so again, art, art leads. So it's beginning to say, we can, we can give value to something that is not quote unquote real in the sense that, you know, I think all of it's real because nothing unreal exists, you know, if you think metaphysically. But, um, but it's basically saying we don't have to have a physical thing. Um, and what an interesting time for that to happen, just as we are having an issue with making physical things, the cost of making things, uh, not just the, I don't mean the financial cost, but I mean like the environmental cost of things. Um, and suddenly 
uh, a new generation comes and goes, we actually don't need like to have so much literal stuff. Um, we can just have representations of stuff because the representations are as good as anything for us, right? I mean, think about brands. A brand um, is a representation of ideas, right? Uh, if it's Chanel or whatever, yes, they make real clothes and all that. But really, the value is actually in the brand. It's actually in the concept or the idea or what it represents, right? And um, we know this in marketing because we can, in marketing, we can give value to things that beyond the actual cost value, right? Um, and value is, you know, lots of things like how much people want it, right? So <laughs> that's really what it comes down to. Just like, you know, with art, it's like if you want to buy a work of art, an auction, whatever, it depends on who wants it more and how much they're willing to pay. It's the same if you want to buy, uh, you know, a bag that's very expensive. It's beyond the actual production cost, the cost of goods, cost of manufacturing, you know, uh, cost of making it. Um, it's the it's the value, right? That's why we always talk about brand value and things like that, you know, um, corporate values, company values, and all this. So we're representing value um, without um, the value itself by itself is enough without actually having the thing. Right. right. So, <laughs> um, and and just uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but just today I was reading this this white paper by TechSpark, which is a company from my friend Diedrich that I interviewed in the last episode of the podcast, and um, and he he talks a lot about uh, fashion, and uh, during our discussion. Uh, we actually discussed this during the episode, uh, but in this white paper, he just laid out all of the numbers, like the amount of, you know, fabric, the amount of yeah. uh, trees that we're not going to have to cut, yeah. you know, the amount right. of, you know, money that is spent on organizing these fashion shows and all of those things and the amount of waste that is generated. Right. Yeah, right. the amount of waste that the fashion industry generates in general, you know, um, yes, the travel, the transport, all of that travel, all of those things, of the, yeah. the, the industry. Yeah. And so, um, like, imagine how, how this whole thing would shift the fashion industry, right? The fact yeah. that you don't have to produce something physically in order to own it. And the yeah. fact that we're coming, we're becoming more and more, Uh, like digital beans, you know, like in yes. not, not not digital beans per se, but but like right. uh, a, a combination in digital space. Yeah, yeah, a combination between physical and digital, and uh, and yes. people were more and more becoming more digital, you know. And so right. in that right. context, like it's gonna be extremely important for you to have digital assets as well. And That's right. um, and as you were just saying, like this is this is extremely relevant right now right in the time that we're living in yeah yeah absolutely i think so i think you know obviously the pandemic accelerated it because suddenly we were we were sort of everything all of our communications our interactions were suddenly more virtual and digital um that's that's certainly one thing it was going to happen anyway but this is sort of accelerated accelerated it and made us realize oh yeah we can work at distance we can interact at a distance and so on and actually i can you know what i can be in my home but i can make it look like i'm in uh you know a really cool uh <laughs> location that's somewhere else right i can make it look like i'm on a spaceship in my home so suddenly the 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 virtual became like part of our reality 
right? So, um, and, and the same thing will go for the future, right? Maybe I'm home wearing sweats, uh, you know, and, but I have an important meeting and I want to wear, you know, my Prada suit, but it's going to be my virtual Prada suit. I don't actually own one, but this will be the thing that represents me. And that's why people are putting up their board ape or their CryptoPunk as their, as their sort of profile picture, their PFPs, as we're calling them. Because those things now represent how we want to present and represent ourselves. They are now our status symbols, the same way if we wear a Rolex watch, you know, gives us a certain sense of status or whatever. You know, I personally don't care so much about these things, but most people do. Um, and so, um, yeah, suddenly we'll be able to, to buy these sort of virtual things. We won't need the real things. And they'll still be as representational as if we had the real thing, because Ultimately, what matters is the idea that they transmit, right? The, the conceptual construct of them. Again, the brand value, right? So if I'm wearing, you know, Prada in the virtual world, okay, then that's like wearing Prada in the real world. There's no difference. And I've probably paid just as much or more for it. Right. So, um, you know, we're going into this dematerialized state. And in a way, thank goodness, because the material <laughs> is costing us a planet, you know, so... And even if people say, oh, you know, but NFTs, they use a lot of energy, probably not as much as uh, all the energy it takes to, you know, to, to, to buy new, uh, new clothes and transport them and make them and, you know, uh, harvest the cotton and grow the cotton and, you know, uh, raise the, the, the sheep for the wool and, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, in, in a way, and I, and I think obviously the cost of the energy to maintain NFTs is going to come down rapidly as we you know create new energy sources and you know find easier ways of maintaining these nfts than you know uh than proof of work and obviously we, we've already made, modified a lot of this so for a lot of people who say oh this is environmentally very costly the energy to 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 make an nft or to store an nft that that's going to change very very quickly uh that's going to be you know we're going to solve that problem very very quickly um, and, I, and i think we can't even come can't even compare that so i think maybe we'll simplify which is something i've been doing all of my adult life just simplifying how much how many things i own i don't own a lot of things i have a very sort of almost buddhist mentality i studied zen when i was very young and i have a very buddhist mentality towards things um the only sort of things that I really sort of make is art and I'm even challenging that thought now do I really want to keep making physical art you know when I'm already the physical representation of my artwork in that you know it's it's I am I am the the real in my real and virtual now um, in that I'm a physical being so maybe that's enough uh, maybe I don't need to actually make physical paintings um, or physical sculpture and in fact you know, my brainwave project that's coming up soon is literally taking my brainwaves and making virtual sculpture out of them, which can exist in the metaverse and what have you. And so that's an NFT project I have coming up in about two months uh, that I have in development now. But that's going to be like a performance where I'm in real time creating from my brainwaves these virtual sculptures. Um, and, and maybe that is the purest art going directly from my mind to... Uh, to a conceptual uh, artwork um, that is represented digitally. Maybe that's the purest thought, ultimately. Direct from brain to, 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 to uh, an existence, but it's the purest existence. It's not even a physical existence, right? And so maybe that's sort of the ultimate 
thoughts. <laughs> definitely, um, definitely, right? definitely. And, and so I, I love that, it. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're ready for the dematerialized world um, and just living with less material and living perhaps more with the idea of things than the actual having those real things, which we don't really need because it's often the idea that we like, right? Uh, when we own yeah. things. <laughs> it's the representation anyway. It's so yeah, definitely. Uh, why not just have the representation? Right. And right. this is going to definitely shift uh, the way marketing is done. I think that the fundamentals right. of marketing are never going to change unless right. like we change the way our mind works, uh, which I don't think it's going right. to happen anytime soon. But uh, right. I don't think the concepts are going to change. But the way... Uh, like in general that is that is done is definitely going to change with this new concept of right. like owning things right and the new types right. of the new right. categories of products and, and, and all of those things the, the, the next sort of metaverse state will will make it even more so because you'll have sort of your world you know what we're calling a verse right everyone will have their verse and a building will have its verse, a corporation will have its verse, uh, a, a country will have its verse, everyone will have its verse, and uh, the connection between all of these will be the metaverse, right? So marketing will almost become, in a way, more pure in the sense that um, the distribution of from the idea or the targeting or the purchasing to actually having the thing, um, quote-unquote thing, um, will be so direct you know, um, <laughs> that in a way it's almost, uh, it's almost marketing in its purest form, you know, just, just like I said, making art, uh, virtually is almost art in its purest form. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's still about, you know, uh, positioning things, positioning and ideas, um, creating desire. Uh, figuring out what people want, but also driving them, driving their wants to some extent, driving exactly. their wants and perceived desires, perceived needs. Um, and I think it's almost going to be uh, more direct, you know, um, because we'll have that constant feedback also of, uh, you know, of, of, of being, um, you know, almost even more so than than, than with, with just sort of digital marketing, with metaverse type marketing, we're going to be having almost constant feedback, almost the way, you know, I'm supplying data with my, with my network of self. We'll, we'll be sort of so connected with people's own network of self that we'll, we'll know their needs almost before they know <laughs> or simultaneously. And we'll be able to sort of respond to those needs or generate wants and desires um, with almost immediacy. That's that's right. yeah. That's crazy to imagine. Like uh, yeah. and 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 you have a marketing background, as you said, and uh, yeah. I'm a marketer, so I can definitely see those things happening. But it's interesting that uh, we're still a, a kind of a concept stage, right? It hasn't yes. really happened yet, so it's really fun to envision all of those things. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, I'm. I think a good summary of all of this is, you know, I think it was Damien Hurst, you know, who's probably the number two most quote-unquote successful artists in terms of market value. Um, he said that marketing is the artwork of the 21st century. It's the art form, sorry, of the 21st century. Meaning that it's not enough to make your, your lovely paintings and sculpture and all of that. It's about how you position it all and how you interact with your community, which, you know, we see, we see the same things now as uh, if you were... Um, 
I don't know, selling clothes. You know, your values, your community, all of these things suddenly become very important. And then creating desire for your work. Um, all of these things have become part of the art world now uh, as art, technology and finance has sort of become almost one thing in terms of these NFTs. Um, so yes, the, the marketing is almost the art form of the 21st century. That's a very interesting. It's a provocative concept. thing to say. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But but I, but I think it's true if we really decipher it, you know. No, definitely, definitely, and I definitely agree with it. But uh, Lance, uh, thank you very much for being here with me today. This was an amazing conversation. Um, I hope that the people that are listening to us up to this point, like that have have kept listening. Um, I hope that you guys have enjoyed it. Um, I think it was a lot of just great information about, you know, like, as I said, uh, Lance is an artist and uh, he's disrupting the way that things are done. He's disrupting concepts, but eventually like uh, these, these disruptions and these concepts that, that, that he's creating are going to be the foundation of how we interact with the digital world or how we use those digital assets and all of those things and how we as oneself uh, also interact with the digital world. So, um, and also at the end has uh, how we tied everything up with uh, and, and made a relationship with that with marketing. Uh, I think it's going to be a very, very interesting future and I hope that you guys have uh, really absorbed some of these information because I think <laughs> some, if not most, or if not all of these things are definitely going to become a reality. And it's going to become a, like a common thing for us on a daily basis in a few years. So, yeah. So thank you for being with me uh, in here today, Lance. Thank you very much, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I think that's a great summary that you've just uh, made. And if anyone wants to know more about my work, of course, they can just Google me, but I'm at Lance King on all the social media. Um, feel free to send me questions if you want to continue this conversation. Um, and you know, feel free to, to write me, lance at lanceking.com, um, if you have any questions about my work or some of these uh, themes that we've discussed today. Awesome. And uh, can, you, can you quickly tell us, give us a, a little preview of your future projects, Lance? Yeah. So as I mentioned, uh, in about two months or so, well, probably early March, I will do a major performance work that will actually tour to different cities. And that will be a work in which uh, I'm, I'm not going to say much about the setup yet, but basically I'll be creating, I'll be generating art directly from my mind to the metaverse. And those works will be uh, NFTs that can be acquired. And, uh, you know, there'll be 3D, three dimensionals, Sort of sculpture that's created from my brain waves and um, you'll be able to uh, if you want to have a physical version you can but you'll be able to just use the 3d generated versions whatever to to put in your virtual home to see in augmented reality or in virtual reality uh, in your you can see it in augmented reality in your real home um, or you can uh, have a physical version in your real home or you can uh, have the uh, the 3d version just uh, in your future your metaverse home or office or wherever you want to put it that's so awesome. um so that's that's my sort of big uh, next project that's coming up is, is this uh, performance art art project that's not quite yet titled 
Awesome. That that's really cool. And congratulations and, and, and good luck with that next project. I know you're already um, doing an amazing work with your current projects and I'm pretty sure this one will be a hit as well. So thank you once again, Lance, for being with, with me here today. Thank you everyone that has listened to, to this episode. Um, if you guys want to get in touch with me, if you want to follow me, or if you have any suggestions or maybe any questions about the Metaverse podcast or maybe about the Metaverse, you know how to find me on LinkedIn. It's Eli Santos, E-L-Y Santos. And, uh, and yeah, that's it. Thank you very much, Lance. Thank you very much, guys. And I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.